This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. I think that definitely the little things in life like bring more happiness to us because the big issue is that he's sick, but these tiny little things that he does makes us so grateful that he's still with us. And just so uh, it's important to acknowledge the goodness in one's life. And that's what gratitude's about. We all have our stories. And by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. My name is Jody O'Donnell Ames, and this is a very special episode. I know they all are, but this one definitely has a special place in my heart today. I am fortunate to interview someone who is very young, yet very wise, and her name is Sam Mangiello. We're going to connect, share how we met, and I know that we will learn so much from her today. So, Sam, welcome to my show, Gratitude to Latitude. A privilege to be here. I am so excited. I just need to take a step back and think about. So you are 19 years old. Yes, correct? I am. I need to think about how old you were when we first met. I believe you were 14 or just turning 14. I was 14. I was in my eighth grade year. Eighth grade year. Okay. And I remember. The first thing I remember about you is your smile and your energy. And to look at you, most people would have thought you were a typical teenager living a typical life. And I met you because the opposite was true. Do you want to tell me a little bit about why we met those years ago? So we met when my mom found you off of Facebook for Hope Loves Company and you came over my house and we, that's how we met basically. You came with a little care package for all my five other siblings and we had like a group meeting and we like talked about my dad who is sick. And while he pretended to sleep in the other room, we were all discussing about like how we felt about everything. And that's when I first learned about Hope Loves Company, like camp and everything. Okay. So 
So I, I just want to stop you there for one second. So you live about 15 minutes from my home. Your mom reached out because she learned about Hope Loves Company, the only nonprofit in all of the United States, which which provides free resources to children caregivers who either currently have or have had someone battling ALS in their lives. Your mom is a dynamo. She has six kids and your father had been diagnosed with ALS. And so she, I invited myself kind of to come over and meet you. You guys are really close and I wanted to get you involved and get you into our programs. And so she invited me and I think I was greeted by your two or three German Shepherds. We have, we, at that point, we had two Siberian Huskies. Oh, Huskies. Okay. Right. So I walked in and just this enormously huge, loving, fun, crazy family. And your father, you said it right, pretended to sleep while he listened in on what I was saying to all of you about Hope Loves Company. Yeah, he did that. (laughs) What does that tell us about your father? My father is crazy. He's a very smart, intelligent man. And I think that he did that so we wouldn't like be afraid to say what we really meant and how we really felt about certain things. So he pretended to sleep, but he wanted to listen to how we felt about things. So he wasn't really, I thought he was, he was pretending to sleep to, to make sure he liked me and trusted me. <laughs> which could have been the case as well, because he is a smart yes, man. Who knows? So, so I, yeah, so I spent some time with your family and immediately following you and your two sisters and brother all attended the very first Camp HLC, which is a camp. We run six in the United States and it's one camp that we had in New Jersey that you and your siblings came to, you were with us for the weekend where other children and young adults were gathering as well because of the ALS journey. So that is absolutely where we met, how we met. And like many children, I have, and young adults, you're no longer a child, but I've stayed in touch with you all these years. Your father is still battling ALS and I noticed something just yesterday about you online. So we're going to, I'm going to just jump right in for a moment because TikTok is, you know, the rage. And apparently you're pretty much a superstar on there. I have 81K on TikTok. How does one get 81,000 followers on TikTok? Well, I post during quarantine, I post like a dancing video. And then ever since then, just kept on going up and up and up. So I don't have TikTok. But now that I know that you're on it, and you have 81,000 followers, someone shared the post with me just a picture of it. But I think I need to get it so that I can start following you as well and be that (laughs) 81.1 thousand people following you. But tell me about the TikTok that I was privy to yesterday. So I know exactly. Was you and I know your dad. exactly what one you're talking about. So <laughs> about a week ago, I sent my dad a link 
through Skype because that's like how we message through the Toby, his eye gaze. And do you want to just stop for a moment there and tell tell us where is your dad in his journey? Okay, so my dad is my dad was vented in 2019 or no 2018 my dad was vented in 2018 he's currently on a ventilator he is tube feed and he really can't talk or move or anything so he's a quadriplegic on a ventilator right so for those of us who know about covid and know that many people have been on ventilators because of that with als als is a terminal illness. And what it does is it depletes muscles that help us to function with our daily activities. And so your father, because of ALS, is on a ventilator to breathe. He has a feeding tube for nourishment. He's paralyzed. And he communicates through a computer, which is called a Toby. So you are a normal kid and you wanted something. Yeah, I was... So <laughs> I was feeling a little like sad a week ago and I told my dad that I sent him the link for a, a five pound bag of sour peach rings. And two days ago, I opened the box to find that he actually did buy it for me. And so basically the TikTok was how about how my dad, who is a quadriplegic on a ventilator, still does things for me even though he's terminally ill. Wow. So that's a huge statement. So the power of the human spirit, and this is everything that we're talking about here. And now you have gratitude right in that. Your dad is grateful that he's able to do this. The resilience that you're, that is your family. And you drop a hint to your dad that you want some sugary sweets. Next thing you know, he is using his pupil, yeah. correct? He's using his pupil on Amazon, going on Amazon, like Mm -hmm. the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. ordering you these treats. The dentist probably does not approve of just saying, and they get delivered to your house. Yeah, it's I think that definitely the little things in life, like bring more happiness to us because the big issue is that he's sick, but these tiny little things that he does makes us so grateful that he's still with us and just so uh, it's important to acknowledge the goodness in one's life and that's what gratitude's about there are so many people who have their health money a beautiful home a beautiful family and still have a challenging time being grateful and you just summed it all up perfectly thank you so much for that and and I recognize that in you from an early age, you are what I would consider to be an old soul. You know, your knowledge and your experience is greater than your actual biological age. And that has brought you to so many amazing opportunities to use your voice. One, we, I think you were 15 years old, You and I went to Holy Family University. There was a, I don't know, a class of 25 students who were getting their master's and in business. And you were the speaker. You and I went and you shared your journey. And you had that room 
silent. I remember that moment. I remember when I wrote the speech that I gave and it, I and I delivered it so powerful that like everyone was just tear-eyed in the room and but I shared my story and I shared my real life and it shows that I persevered through that my all of my experiences in life and I am still like successful to this day and I didn't let these events that happened in my life stop me. I just it kept pushing me to accomplish my dreams. I say it all the time. We are greater than what happens to us. You are such a walking example of that. You're right now at Temple University as a nursing student. Do you think the other nurses around you, the other students around you understand that in so many ways you're already a nurse? They do realize that like I've I've had this experience since I was in eighth grade. I've I've hand filled I had hand fed my dad. I've done trach care. I've done the Hoyer lift, had many Hoyer lift scary stories that are, well, now we look back and laugh at them, but at the moment we're so scary. I know how to work a ventilator. I know how to suction. It's, I know how to take vitals. It's just like, I'm like a step ahead of them. And I think that my dad being sick really helped me become a nurse. And it's like pushing me to my limits and showing how capable of things I really am. There's no doubt in my mind, Sam, that you are capable of anything that you put your mind to. There are, and I'm sure that your experiences are are creating better nurses in your in your class as well. You are a mentor to them. According to the National Alliance of Caregiving Children, there are 1.3 to 1.4 million child caregivers between the ages of 8 and 18 in the United States. What would you like others to know about a caregiving child? What You just gave us examples of the things that you have done, which, quite frankly, some nurses haven't done, to help care for your father. And you do so with such a loving heart. What would you like others to know about? Let's make this a two-part question. The first is, What is it like to be a caregiving child? Let's kick off with that one. I think that being a child caregiver is really emotional at times. And it's 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 very emotional to see your loved one like suffer from such a terrible disease. However, you learn an important lesson at a young age. Personally, for me, I learned what I wanted to do with my life. Six years ago, when my father was diagnosed with ALS, I watched him slowly be able to not do things that he normally would do himself. Since the beginning of his diagnosis, I loved helping my dad. I wanted to be there and I wanted to appreciate every moment I had because I did not know when the last moment I had with him. Helping my dad has really strengthened me as an individual. However, I realized at a young age I couldn't cure him from this dreadful disease. And I think that really hurt me, but it also encouraged me to make his life easier and try to help cope with his terminal illness. And I think that a childhood lesson that I learned was helping someone you love is very powerful. And it made me have a passion to help others. Also, I think that it it kind of evolved my problem solving ability. And it Mm -hmm made me think of things very differently in life. 
Can you give me an example of that? That's powerful. A problem solving technique that I. Yeah. So, so basically you're saying that the fact that your dad lives with ALS really nurtured the compassionate person you are. And not only do you recognize that you're a caregiver for him, but that you want to be a caregiver and, and a compassionate person towards others as well. We need more people like that in this world. So kudos to you for recognizing that and for living it. How was this kind of a catalyst to your problem-solving skills? So we have a rotation of who does night shift and who, like, so we, who watches my dad at night, basically. And I think that really helped me evolve with the problem-solving because my mom would be in her room while I was personally taking care of my dad by myself. And I learned how to like, basically when his catheter problems happened, I personally had to problem solve that myself without the help of my mom because I didn't want to wake her up because she does so much in the day that I didn't want to disturb her. So I think that my problem solving techniques were enlightened because of my resilience to not wake my mom up during night shift. Because during night shift, I am sleeping next to my dad in a separate bed while he's in his hospital bed. And one night, he had a problem with his catheter. And I was a, I was in, I was very, about three years ago. And I did not want to wake my mom up because my mom does everything in the morning. And I just felt so bad that if I were to wake her, she'd be like angry at me or upset because she wanted to sleep. So I took my problem solving techniques and I looked up a video on YouTube about all about catheters and how to put one on and everything. And I think that's when I realized that my problem solving skills were impacted because of my dad's illnesses. So let's just walk into your house. So you're saying that, you know, your father cannot be left alone, right? He's depending on help throughout the night and you and your family, your siblings, your mom, all take turns being available throughout the night. And you who were, you know, almost 16 years old, had an issue. You're on night duty. You're also in high school, right? You have to get up the next day and go to school and something goes wrong. And instead of waking your mom, which would have been a really easy fix because she's done this before, you, you were cognizant of the fact that she needed sleep, but you also knew your dad needed help. So you took that responsibility on yourself, did the research and solve the problem yourself. That's called initiative. And I think that's something that most people don't learn until they're much older or until they're, they're forced to learn that. We get into our, our complacency, we get into our level of comfort and we forget that we have, we're far more capable than we are. And for you to recognize that, and 
actually learn from it. So someone else may have been frightened, which would make sense, right? Or nervous or anxious. Those are all legitimate feelings. But because you are so strong, you took that situation and made it a learning moment. And how did you feel afterwards? I felt accomplished. I I really, I, me and my dad have this thing, like I'll look at him and I can like read his mind, I feel like. And like once I completed the task at hand, I looked at him and his smile was just like crazy because then his eyes are wide and he typed on the Toby because I'm so proud of you. And it's just him saying he's proud of me. It touches my heart because like, I love that. Like, he's like my biggest role model. And for him to say he's proud of me, like, no, I'm proud of you, you know? It sounds like you guys make a really good team. And you hit the nail on the head communicating. Communicating with someone who's able to speak is challenging enough as it is, but having amazing communications with someone who's unable to speak takes a really special, attentive, compassionate, and thoughtful person. And I know that's who you are, but, but that's, that's definitely challenging for many people to be able to communicate when it's, it's mostly one way in the way that we know communications, right? You say something, somebody else says something, but this is very different. So you're such an example for every young adult and and even grown adults to recognize that, A, we are far more capable of what we think we are capable of achieving. B, that we many times have the answers within us and have to sit with it for a moment and figure it out. And with that comes growth and opportunity and lessons. So while we're speaking of that, I want to just also share, because like your father, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you in so many ways. But I know that you have had the opportunity to spread ALS awareness. So I want to talk about how you've done that outside of Hope Love's company. And then I'd like to talk about a little bit about that, how you've done that within our organization. So I've spread ALS awareness through, I spoke at, you know, the the drug company? MTPA? Yes. Mitsubishi They produce Radicava <laughs> and Jody had the opportunity to take me and I was able to spread awareness of of a daughter whose father who has ALS and I was able to share my experiences that I had directly with ALS. I also traveled to Iceland and participated in the conference there and which assisted in creating a nonprofit foundation that would assist Icelandic children who were affected by ALS. And I think as an ambassador for Hope Loves Company, I've been able to share my story in many ways that I wasn't able to do before. I also, in teaching others how to handle the painful experience of watching your loved one battle a disease without a cure, I also learned a valuable lesson myself. In June 2016, I traveled with my family to Washington, D.C. to lobby for a law that would allow terminally ill patients to the ability to gain access to drugs in the 
clinical pipeline. By supporting my father's quest to open the doors to new treatments for himself and others, I saw firsthand how a small voice can make a large impact on a government policy. On August 3rd, 2017, the Trickett Wendler, Frank Mangello, Jordan McLean, and Matt Bellina, Right to Try Act of 2017 was enact- enacted on a federal level. This law allows experimental drugs to be administered to terminally ill patients who have exhausted all approved treatment options after phase one clinical trials. That bill embodies the passion and hope I have for finding a cure and allowed me to witness what my family's voice could do. It was amazing opportunity that we had. So you and your family had the direct effect on that bill being passed. Your voice, your even your younger siblings, so I think we're 11 at the time, were speaking. And it's a reminder that not only do we all have a voice, but we need to use it. We need to use our voices to fight for the things in which we believe. And we need to use our voices for those who are unable to speak. So I, again, commend you for rising. Every opportunity you get to rise, you do so with eloquence, grace, and determination, and, and you're just such an example for, for me and for so many others. So a question comes to mind because a parent might be listening and he or she might be thinking, wow, Sam is incredible. I have a child who is 10 who has no skills for resilience, no appreciation or gratitude. What would you, do you have a quote or something that you live by? Or would you have any advice to a parent who's listening who might want to help improve these skills in their own children? Well, a quote that I live by is a quote that I learned at Hope Loves Company is that it's, it's okay not to be okay. And I think that this, a child is of every like magical mind. They have the ability to really learn. And I think that as a 10 year old kid, you really need to like take a step back and think about things in their, their mind because they think of things very differently. So I think that you would need to like, tone it down a little bit. Like I know there's many books out there that are able to tell what ALS is and how it affects basically the family and the person themselves. And I think that you would need to like read them the book or like show them videos maybe of like how things work, but also Hope Loves Company, you know, like sign them up for camp. You know, camp's amazing. Camp camp has showed me like so many different sides of like ALS. And I've met so many kids who are in the similar situation as me, which I think helped me so much because whenever I had a question or like I felt really, really down, I would like run to my friends that I met at camp and I'd be like, 
this happened today. Like I, I can't anymore. Like I can't. And they'd be like, okay, like take a deep breath. Like you've made it, you made it this far. Like you got it. You just need to keep pushing and just keep motivating yourself and keep fighting, you know? And I think that as a, as a kid, as I look back on like my life, my last five years of dealing with my dad being sick, I look about how my life has changed so dramatically. And what I always dreamt of is that my dad would walk me down the aisle. But now it's, it's changed because I might now have to face the reality that my dad might not even be at my wedding day. But I want him to know that as of right now in this moment, I'm going to be a successful woman and I'm going to keep him in mind because he has inspired me to get make it this far in life and that he's behind me every step of the way. You've rendered me speechless, Sam. You've rendered me speechless. I need to tell you that I love you. I'm so proud of you. This has been the best chance to just really sit down and chat with you. I have no doubt that you are going to be, continue to be, I should say, a game changer. That so many people will learn from you and be inspired by everything that you're doing now at 19 years old. I have such respect for you and your family. If anyone wants to see you on TikTok, how do they find you? My username is sam.jello. Sam.jello. Yes. Thank you for serving as a Hope Loves Company ambassador. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for inspiring me. And this has been a truly wonderful episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and hope with someone who walks that exact path. Thank you for having me. This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.